0: Welcome to another edition of Crossing Faiths Podcast with your host, me, Matt Hawkins, a once policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and my friend and co-host, my Muslim buddy, John Pinna, former director of government and international relations of the American Islamic Congress. This podcast is a joint project between Roll Top Productions, That's My Thing, and Muslims for Muslims, That's John's Thing, which you'll hear about in a forthcoming episode. Today, John joins me from upstate New York, like has been usual during this pandemic season. I, of course, am in suburban Middle Tennessee, outside of Nashville. John, how's it going? It's going
1: well. How are you doing, man? its just, I know you, you had... Uh, um... You know, you've been dealing with a lot of uh, new, new uh, vocations for yourself. You were cutting everyone's hair in your family, right? For a while. I, like, I saw something on Facebook. I was like a chair in the middle of the field, and so I was like, I was like "Is this? Is this? Hey, is this
0: Everybody's happened? got to diversify during the pandemic.
1: You got to bring in the cash any way you can, or, or barter, or trade, or do what you got to do. And
0: you, you can learn anything watching YouTube. <laughs>
1: I, I, well, I, I just I can't imagine your entire family putting their style in your hands.
0: I can't imagine it either. Uh, when Zoom but, is so important, right, you know what I mean. That's all right.
1: your face. So everybody's doing that. I, How'd I did. You do?
0: Yeah, I, I did cut. I cut the hair of my brother-in-law and my father-in-law. They were haircut number customers number number one and number two, or number zero and number one, depending upon how you want to count things. But uh, they haven't they haven't returned. Barbershops have opened back up here. They haven't come back to me. So I don't know what that says about my, uh, my qualifications.
1: Are you saying you forced <laughs> barbershops in Tennessee to be open as a result of your practice?
0: I'm just saying I created supply. <laughs> Okay. Or I, I created demand. Sorry,
1: right, right <laughs> away they were like, uh, "You can't compete with this guy in the field," or you just your your job, the job you did was uh, less than par, and people demanded that they open up their their That's businesses. Right. That's
0: right. All right. So, the topic for today is one that uh, exhausts a lot of people. A lot of uh, Americans exhausted about this um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you and I are gonna. Perhaps not so wisely weigh in uh, with some thoughts about racism in America and uh, thoughts about policing. So I guess we should just jump into it,
1: huh? I think so.
0: So we come to this. I'm obviously a white guy. You have kind of described yourself as a white guy, even though you're Afghan by background, right? How, How do you think about your ethnicity?
1: I, you know, I come from the, I hearken from the age of Hellenism. So it was stuff you learned in like third grade, (laughs) you know? So um, we're, when Alexander the Great arrived in, in, uh, in 320 when he arrived in Afghanistan, was then known as Bactria Uh and in Bactria, the capital where he married his, his wife, Roxanne, he was surprised to see flourishing Greek communities. Uh, speaking Greek, dressed in Greek, yeah. and there was a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, during in, in during that period, Persia was uh, made of many satraps, many territories, and the territory of Bactria, which was a hub, it was known as the land of a thousand cities, and the Bactra was known as the mother of all cities. was bigger than Ro- It was bigger than Rome, right? And its heyday, um, and There was the reason why there were so many Greeks there is because in Asia Minor, were a lot of Greek settlements, and whenever those the Greeks had a little rebellion, with the exception exception of Xenophon, which I gotta plug Xenophon because he just basically marched into Persia and did whatever he wanted, and then marched out. So, um, which is a great name for a dog, Xenophon. All Greek names (laughs) are great. They're all Achilles. Is that a great name for a dog? Of course, Um,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So uh, all Greek names are great names for animals. All right. So and, that's what
0: and that's people, what was uh, uh, Magnum PI, right? It was it? It was Zeus and uh, Paulus, right? We're, yeah. The Dobermans, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. There's a so I like that. I like the plug. Yeah. How, how, how's that for some pop culture recall? Yeah. You know, how how many times did he
1: wreck the Ferrari, and it was completely acceptable? Right. I just don't get that. <laughs> like, it's just a, I don't understand how you someone led you your car their their car and then they wreck it, and they are like
0: multiple times he still has a job
1: not only does he he, he wasn't even being paid by by Higgins he was just let he was just using the house renting the apartment that seems like a good deal I rent an apartment for five hundred bucks a month in Hawaii and I get total use of the Ferrari whenever I want, and I can act a fool and wreck it I just, I love the '80s. It was just totally consequence-free, and every single show, <laughs> every show didn't make any sense. Okay, so, but it's it was a you know it was a free-for-all. It was just a it was a, it was a golden age of of suspension of disbelief. Right. Um. Right. So, my, our comment to my commentary doesn't fit with the subject matter that we have here because we're we're in the middle of the pandemic uh and whatever you think about corona everyone is has corona fatigue and in the last month we've had a series of very a serious look at in the mirror of who we are as americans and globally when it comes to racism and uh the role of the police in society and of course the judgment of world leaders in r- relation to mm-hmm. peaceful protests um and then the other side of people that take advantage of peaceful protests and and go for right. uh try to try to uh, you know commit criminal acts and so we think felt compelled to get involved and and talk a little bit about this because from our perspective i mean you were asking about ethnicity i'm 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 essentially a white guy yeah uh you know we're we're, um, we can get into, you know, ethnicity and this and that, but essentially my family, you know, originally comes from has ancient lineage all the way through, uh, in, in in Afghanistan, and then came to America by way of Italy, uh, and spent about a generation there. And that's where we picked up the name as Pana, uh, which means a blessing from Allah or a guy who's good luck and, uh, was Latinized to Pina and then came to America. so we're, Indo-Greeks were white dudes from the age of Hellenism yeah. in, in uh, Afghanistan, uh, or Bactria, and uh, um, which is the ancient name of that area. Uh, and that's a long story. We can get into the family history later. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Greek. I'm white, uh, Roshni, they would say. Um, I'm, a, I'm a white guy from from, from Asia. And, uh, and that's common. Um, and so, uh, uh, I think the challenge is, is that I'm not going to speak to the African American experience, uh, the black experience in America, but as a New Yorker and as someone who spent time working with all with various communities and has spent like you fighting for vulnerable populations all over the world, we have a little bit of street cred on that side. Um, but in the same respect, um, I can only speak. I can certainly speak to, uh, in my interactions with the police, yeah, uh, and and, uh, and how racial profiling, or how a beard, or how being detained, uh, can can lead to um, a lot of frustration. And I don't. Again, I'm not speaking for the black community, but yeah. I just find it I just find it amazing. It's like we just get to this point where this George Floyd business happens. And I just see the image, and I'm thinking, how do you put your knee on a neck, and and say that you have? To me, it's a dignity of human person thing. It's you you obviously have zero zero respect for the dignity of the human person. And if someone says responses, I can't breathe, or so you're not you're not even flinching, Um, and and that just that just it's shocking to me. And then we have. An anchor moment like this, and then and then we can jump. I'm going to go forwards to go backwards. We jump to what just happened in Atlanta. These guys, they're shooting this guy in the back. This is after all the riots and everything oh, else. Oh, tragic! Yeah. How, how emboldened do you have to take a life? To, we're taking multiple lives, and then we hear of a lynching in in California. Who's lynching people these days? Yeah. I, Who's, I, I... I, I don't even understand how any anyone could motive, be motivated to start doing, you know, if you're doing up the rope, that takes a lot of time and thought behind all that. Who's doing this business? And then we get the whole incident that happened in front of the White House. And in my 26 years of doing this, I've never seen, I, I just, I've never seen this. I've never seen a, I never seen a the military coupled with law enforcement with what the president's calling the SS. <laughs> did you see that article where he called the, the secret service, the SS? No, I missed that. Google it and pop it on the thing where he called it the SS. He said no. they did a great job dispersing the crowd. I've never seen a crowd, a peaceful demonstration dispersed so that a president could take a walk. I've never seen that before. It's It's unbelievable. I just i've never I, in my in you know and i've i've seen i've i've worked in to, with total you know in totalitarian regimes for to get prisoners released and all kinds of stuff and i just have never seen that um to have a bible and so it's been a whirlwind of of, of time and, and like i said i work with every administration uh and to try to steer the ship in the right direction regardless of who it is dems or 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 republicans this is a, a tough time and i i i don't know how uh we address the issue uh, my question to you is we're a christian if we, if we claim we're a christian nation which is what we get um what i get all the time i i wholeheartedly disagree that we're a christian nation but if you say we're a christian nation and police are con, are perpetrating these crimes and we advocate for international religious freedom all over the world and the dignity of the human person and social justice and all these things. How do you reconcile this as a Christian evangelical who's in the game?
0: That's a great question. Kind of the question of the day. Uh, let me back up a little bit and get, explain, too, that I'm my background is basically an Anglo mutt with Scottish and Welsh uh, and, and probably some other some others mixed in. Um, so we've established basically neither you and I, uh, have the background or experience, um, like our African American neighbors have had in this country. So our, our people, quote unquote, our, our ancestors were not enslaved and subjugated to be treated like, um, like property and animals, uh, the way that, um, uh, Anglo and uh, Spanish Americans enslaved uh, blacks um, for generations upon generations um, in America. And we certainly haven't had the experience of um, what had to happen in the 20th century, which was desegregation and the dismantling of Jim Crow laws um, and uh I, in particular, don't have the experience that um, a lot of African-American friends of mine, maybe all of them, who have expressed to me some sort of interaction with police uh, like you have, that's completely unwarranted and initiated based not on anyone's particular behavior, but just because of how you look or something about your clothing or your facial hair or a sticker on your car that somebody doesn't understand, which we'll get into. Uh, I haven't had that experience. Uh, and most evangelicals, most American white Christians, haven't. And part of the hurdle that I want to help conservatives get over is this lack of empathy for people, our neighbors, namely, sometimes friends, colleagues, church members, who say, hey, I've had that experience. I look at George Floyd or Ahmaud Aubrey or Breonna Taylor, and that strikes at the heart of my community because I can relate in a way that we white evangelicals can't. And so what frustrates me is in response to a lot of this, some some white Christians will, you know, Site statistics, you know, that are intended to uh, communicate that all is not as bad for black Americans as the current moment seems to indicate. Um, but that's really not statistics you and I both know <laughs> enough as academics uh, to know you can twist um, uh, statistics to kind of make make them say what you want. Your Religious Freedom Project is uh, touching on those kinds of themes. But well, th- I'm just trying to stimulate my community, white evangelicals, to stop and just listen a bit uh, to the experience of our African-American neighbors, in some cases spiritual brothers and sisters, um, about their experiences. And to a person, everyone has had some kind of experience like we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're black in in America, you,
1: you can look, you can you could two things. My phrase what's my phrase. Two things can be right at the same time. <laughs> you could say that that more more whites are killed by police officers. And maybe that statistic is true, which is what I've heard. But it doesn't negate. What is going on, because that just means that police are abusing everybody.
0: That's what that means. Right. Okay. Right. So, so let's, let's again talk about so that, so, reforming policing.
1: Yeah. So that that's, you know, I, I right before I left to, um, it's the militarization of the police is a is a is a, is a problem. Um, I wrote an a little article uh, some time ago, years ago, and uh, uh, Dr. Rains um, updated it. Uh, was a professor at, for, for the law program at Marist College, uh, my alma mater, and uh, updated it. And we co-published it on "See Something, Say Something," uh, an article on "See Something, Say Something" and how it how because of See something, say something. Someone can report you
0: yeah.
1: in an airport, and they can detain you based on that report and hold you without trial indefinitely. They can hold you for six months. They can hold it for a year. And uh, and by that time, you've lost your job, your reputation. They release you. You found that there is no real crime, but they can hold you as for as long as they want. Um, and so you're talking about some of this sort of systemic laws of of, of reach, right? where I'll give you a good example of how the Patriot act and, and see something, say something, which is a part of the Homeland security act can affect you. Any navigable river on a hundred miles on either side of a navigable river, the Homeland security act Patriot act, see something, say something is in place. And that also includes travel hubs. So any airport within a hundred miles, so if we're standing in the middle of Tennessee, I mean, I know you got. The, is the Mississippi is on one side? Isn't that on one side of your state? Yeah, it's
0: on the west. It's on the of west North side.
1: Memphis. But what's on the east side? Give me an airport. Give me a city on the east side. Knock, Knoxville. So Knoxville. I I see something. Say something in Knoxville. There must be an airport there. Any place in 100 miles, I can then they can detain you in accordance with the with the law. You, you know what I'm saying? Based on nothing right. other than yeah. me observing you in an airport or not near. Maybe maybe it's in the park that's twenty miles from the airport. I turn on and I say, "I think I think Matthews, I think he's a terrorist," <laughs> and and, and I, I call. They can. That's it. You're done. And 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 it's a whole world of hurt. Um, so there's there's a law legal thing going on here, but then there's also the militarization of the police, which we saw in force, and you know TikTok, which I discovered two weeks ago. Um,
0: <laughs> We're too old for TikTok. I have no. It's really funny. I just <laughs> I discovered no it, it. it,
1: and I just deleted it yesterday because it was. It's just a rabbit hole. I don't know what I'm watching, and I feel terrible. I feel like I'm I'm liking and following everybody because everybody just wants likes and follows. So I don't know. I I just I had to stop. I had to delete it from
0: my phone. But you, you um, can't do that, John, because people, as I have discovered, will judge you and come to conclusions about what I believe based on my likes. Some things I like on Twitter and Facebook. Here, here's the problem. And they will. I, I have been defriended by people <laughs> I, I, who read in a whole heck of a lot to something I liked.
1: Well, I don't have that many anyway. followers in in that in the in that world. Most people, you know, come to see me, or we we. I have so I'm not I'm not. And I, you know, here's the problem. I can't. I have no idea. My social media is really locked down, particularly Facebook and stuff like that. But.
0: Uh, if you're listening, please follow John on Twitter. Give him some more follows I, I, I don't at, at JT Penna, P-I-N-N-A. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's He's a, lonely out there. It's,
1: it's certainly <laughs> funny. It's actually good. <laughs> this call. Um. And, uh, but the, I was watching a lot of the TikTok videos of this because I was just popping up and you're, 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 we're seeing just these really egregious, terrible, terrible things that police are perpetrating. But then, I mean, I understand on the other side, people say, well, that the pro- there's protesters that are looting and, but two things can be right at the same time. Nope. Looters looting does not justify police pushing Detaining a seven-year-old boy, or pushing somebody to the ground, or doing these things—you know—I was—I was looking at the George Floyd thing uh, video, and the, it was interesting because the medical examiner did did the police a solid. You know, he he basically said, "Oh no, he had a heart attack." And I'm going, "Did the did the medical examiner has he seen the video? Because any anybody with any medical training." If they see somebody see that video would say if the full weight or at least good a good amount of the weight is on a person's neck for nine minutes that's going to obstruct and possibly obstruct the the you know the um the pathway but not only that it, it probably will break something and the medical examiner obviously ignored the video and then did his fellow police officers um, a solid by saying, oh no, it wasn't this. And of course the independent medical examiner said, oh no, 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 this is what happened. that the independent third party, which shows that the medical examiner is lying, which shows even a more systemic issue of, right. of cover up. Um, and this, the, you know, this is, these are, these are this is like an, it, it, it's a, I don't like to say conspiracy, it's just, this is the system. And sometimes you just have to accept that this is the system first, we have peaceful protesters, we have violent protesters, we have you know, anarchists and so forth. We have good cops, we have bad cops. We have people that are willing, that aren't cops, that are willing to do whatever they need to do to protect their colleagues, in the case of the medical examiner. Um, then we have Lisa Alexander, which I don't know if you followed that, Lisa Alexander, um, who owns a, some kind of a uh, perfume company or, or a skincare company who walked up to a person of color. I I think it was in New York. It could have been San Francisco. I can't remember which one. Uh, and was the one in the park. No, no, this well, the dog in the park is outrageous. I don't know that lady. That's insane. But, Look up Lisa Alexander. What she did was she walked up to this guy and said, you're defacing private property. And he's he says, what are you talking about? Because you're defacing private property. And he goes, are you accusing me of crime? And she says, uh, well, I know the." She, he goes, he goes, are you accusing me of crime? And, and, if, and, and she says, yes. He goes, he goes, well, if I lived here, this wouldn't be a crime. And she goes, well, I'm going to call the cops on you. And he goes, you call the cops. Uh, you do what you got to do. She goes, well, I know the people who live here. And they're... <laughs> and and there, you know, and this is not right. This is blah, 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 blah. And she's there with a, her friend, Robert, who runs the pension funds and is, does all the investments for the state of California. And she's with this guy, Robert, and he they both are, are hammering this poor, poor guy. But guess what? It's his house. Right. The police come and they say, oh, yeah, we know you live here. Yeah. And she it, it's he called her Karen, which I guess is the right. term now. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I had no idea what anybody was calling her Karen. I go, he's calling her by a wrong name. I said, so like, that's how, you know, I'm so.
0: A Karen, not actually Karen. Right,
1: A Karen. So, um, and uh, I, I, it's amazing. It was an amazing moment because it shows that it's not just a law enforcement issue. It's yeah. it's a systemic issue where people are calling on, on, on the police when they feel uh, they, they feel like they are right and feeling you're right is not the issue. It's not, the, it's not the way it, way it needs, it should be. Um, the guy, there's another video of the guy that I've seen two videos of people that were called. One was the group of people that were in the gym. There were people of color and the guy is working out there and they have an office in the building so they can use the gym. And he's calling the cops on them for using the gym. And I was like, what? And they go, we have an office here, and it's not like if you want to check in and say, "Hey, are you guys supposed to be here?" I get that all the time because I always look suspicious. Um
0: you you know, I, and you you sometimes wear pajamas in public.
1: Well, I just I always look suspicious. I'm
0: to use your term, you say that. Well,
1: I do. Well, well, yeah. If I call so I'm clubs,
0: not. I'm not accused of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do not,
1: yeah. I always, yeah. I always have my my. I'm in cowboy boots, jeans, corta, kufia. And topi top, dope, which is the hat, um, uh-huh. and then uh, that's my jam. And now the coo- the kufia, the scarf. Everyone's
0: wearing a scarf now. So you saw it here first, you right. now? Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, you were setting the you were setting the trend.
1: Yeah, I, 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 this is the one moment where I, could, I I'm gonna I'm gonna claim that, and it's never happened before or after. So, <laughs> um, but I I just I just I think that there's a a lineage here uh, of systemic racism it's a part of our country's history it's a part of our past and we it's but it's 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 manifest in our present in unique and strange ways that is not isolated
0: right and 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 i think my my community white christians in particular um we're often oblivious to it right so there are there are racists in america who are you know <laughs> proud of it right they own it they're true believers and there are a lot of us who just they don't we don't get it um we see we we've we've been shaped so much by western individualism that we see you know behavior and interactions with cops just through an individual lens right so uh, if you you know drive the speed limit and you know don't sell drugs and you know hang out with good people then they can't fathom why someone would have an interaction with the police right the only the only time i need to be concerned as a white guy in america with a police interaction is if i'm driving the speed limit or holding my cell phone in the car that's it and it's behavior based
1: well, and, and My apparently, friend, you could so, stand at, apparently you could stand at a state capitol armed to the teeth violating right. state and federal law and not be arrested.
0: <laughs> right. Because yeah. you're white. Um, so, right? right, yeah. But again, you know, those kind of people, yeah, yes, that, that can happen. But I'm saying even those kind of people are on the fringe, Right. Most of us, even if you got the absurdity of that, most of us as white Americans, we don't have the experience of being stopped by the police just cause. Right. And so like, there's one anecdote that I heard just recently. I'm working on a um, an op-ed with a, a colleague of mine that um, hopefully we'll have published soon and we can talk about more about it. Um, but she uh, is a mom. She... Her family is African-American. They live in the same Maryland county where my parents grew up and where my grandfather retired as a police major in the county uh, police department. Taught at some point as an instructor at the FBI Academy. Her son, one of her sons, was walking from a metro stop to a barbershop to get his hair cut. It started raining, so he put his hood over his head, Mm. and the police started following him. Mm. I'm I'm sorry, white Americans. If police did that to your son or daughter, you wouldn't have it. And that kind of thing happens all the time to Black Americans. It's normal. In the 21st century that to me is unacceptable and it ought to be unacceptable to white Christians how how do you arrest
1: black business owners protecting their business I've been watching videos of this or there's been a report and the police show up and what they do is first thing they do is they don't go towards the perpetrators and that people that called the cops are yelling at these at the cops for because t- t- they're arresting the shop owners instead. It's cr- I, I, I just don't get I don't get what's going on. Um, and I think it's a it, there's a, this is a systemic situation, but, you know, it's it's it's, you know, emboldened by laws and for years and years and years of just accepting these things. But look, the police didn't intervene. They didn't take those guys off the Capitol steps. It was, and that's because they were heavily armed, but they were also white. But if, if those, if they were, if they were people of color, it would have been a problem. Would have been bloodshed. It would have been, yeah, it would have been a problem.
0: Okay. And I think one, one of the things that helped me start to recognize some of this is what uh, my former boss, you, you knew him, uh, Richard Land, uh, as a historian explained why, Racism of the past, iterations or expressions of racism in the past, like slavery, like uh, segregation, are not distant history, but still linger with us, right? And so once you have an understanding that you had slavery for centuries, then you had the Civil War, then you had Reconstruction, then you had the reaction to reconstruct, much of what happened during Reconstruction manifest itself into Jim Crow laws and all sorts of racist oppression, uh, particularly in the American South. Then you had the Civil Rights Movement, right? This stuff, not that distant. No. My, my friend Leslie, who I was talking about, she actually learned late as an adult. Her, her grandparents were um, sharecroppers, I think in the American South. And they helped uh, teach people how to register to vote. They taught people how to fill out the form so they could vote. <laughs> KKK didn't like it. Burn a cross in her grandparents' yard. Yeah, I believe it. This stuff's not. This stuff's not distant. John's and my conversation on racism in America will continue on the next episode of Crossing Faiths. This has been Crossing Faiths with Matt Hawkins and John Penna a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting CrossingPhase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter, at mthawk, at JTPinna, or at CrossingPhase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.